For those who celebrate, it is almost Christmas. Are the Guardians getting a lump of coal, or are they going to pull out some sweet treats? We'll see what the Zips projection uh, tells us. Maybe a little bit of both. We'll see if the Guardians can pull some sweets out of their out of their hat in terms of the draft next year. And definitely a lump of coal to Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred for the latest set of rule changes. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's this Christmas you speak of? I have no idea what what you're referring to. Um, uh, It was pajama day at school, so I'm just I'm still rocking that. I'm going to close my Jeff Juden tab and take a second Uh and tell you to today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash LockDot to get started today. Um, Goodbye to Jeff Juden. Hello to talking about the draft talking about the zips rejections talking about weird rule changes as we want to make the game 15 minutes we want to make the game short enough to fit in a tiktok video uh you know what how else can we get to that point uh no time to talk about uh we've had all it's funny we always hear how hard it is to come up with content what two weeks since they announced this new cool initiative with the minor league game we'll talk about that next week what they're going to do in spring to help put more of a spotlight on the young future stars of this league. But uh, yeah, just, I'll get into that. Yeah. You know, a year ago at this time we had uh, Dan Zaborski on, we're going to, you know, January we said is, is our time for um, guest hosts. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably reach out and, and Dan is very kind with his time. Uh, so we will reach out to him, but he released a zips projection. And the interesting thing is a year ago, his zips projection was irrationally high on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And even though he goes, Cleveland does not have a Corbin Carroll waiting in the wings right now. Cleveland is the closest to the Arizona Diamondbacks a year ago this time in terms of this, the projections being very high, seeing a team that uh, is a potential playoff squad, even though they were you know, picking high in the draft or you know had a year that didn't quite because and here's the thing it's the same thing you and i talk about often on the show which is they weirdly don't have a ton of holes do they need more power yes could they use one to two outfielders yes but do they have a lot of players that can kind of fill in at spots that that's also true i mean it'd be great to get a, a corbin carroll in this outfield don't get me wrong but they're not a team that on paper has like eight openings to fill which a lot of teams that are the Kansas city Royals. And I know people are like, Oh, look at all them. The Royals spend a lot of money. And it worked out great last time with Santana and Mike minor and all those other ones spending money to sign a bunch of mediocre talent. Isn't the way that is not the way um, it is a great recipe. Well, okay. I'll give the Royals credit for this um, because you can't just tank your way to the draft anymore. You can no, can't be the Astros anymore. Yeah. So I'll give them credit for, you know, they said, screw it. We can't tank our way to number one pick. And arguably to for the Royals getting them one pick overall for them probably wouldn't do them any good. I mean, they've they had so many high picks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, maybe it's better drafting. for them to, yeah, may, maybe it's better for them to go out and bank on getting some decent production from some free agents and flipping them into prospects because uh, the draft clearly has not been their thing. And at least they're trying to put a better, 
in theory, they're trying to put a better product in the field. I'm not saying they're winning, but the product might be better. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, they're you know, their their payroll is going up. <laughs> Let's yeah, say it's going to be great, but it's, it's the highest it's since they no were effort. a good team. But yeah, it's just, yeah. um, you know, enough about the Royals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, okay. But the thing I mean, is, like, Cleveland could not add that many free agents right now. They just they actually have players, and that's why Zips kind of is is relatively high. I mean, the third best bullpen of anyone that they've uh, he's analyzed so far. It's interesting. I'll, I'll be quiet now and let you speak. <laughs> so I think we should point out, too, with, with Zip's projections, like this is all people are going to say, oh, I don't care about projections. I don't care what a computer says, blah, blah, blah. Or they don't understand what Zip's is. I mean, if you if you want to understand better what Zip's is, you should go back to our episode last year with, with Dan um, and, and t- listen to how he explains what Zip's is. But with any projection model, it's all a range of outcomes. It's running a simulation, however many times they run the simulation, and these are the the most likely outcomes based on the stats. And you're you're collecting uh, data that that gives you the most reliable outcomes. And I thought it was interesting that the so Dan puts this graphic out the night before the team is team's projections are going to be announced, and he always puts the graphic out with the positions and the players and shows like what their numbers are going to be. The first night, it was Andre Semenez, 5.1, and he was projected to be the Guardian's highest uh, war producer. And then the projections came out the next day, and of course they were altered because they're run on on more simulations. And Jose ends up on, on top again at 5, and Andre's at 4.6. But, you know, a, a fairly positive... I, I, the Jose Ramirez projection is like pretty, pretty normal. Like 277, 354, 494, 136 OPS plus. That's Generally, what you would expect. They expect a bounce back year from Jimenez. League average offense from Stephen Kwan, which basically is who he was a year ago. Bo Naylor at 103, kind of extreme. The one interesting one that stood out to me was was obviously Kyle Manzardo. Um, if you if you sort by OPS plus, which is equivalent to weighted runs created plus, it's a league average offensive metric where um, hundreds league average and it kind of balances out. It, it adjusts for park factors too, right? OPS plus adjust for park factors, I believe. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So Manzardo sits at 115 in that projection, which he was actually higher a year ago. I think you, Jeff, you read it from the beginning that yeah. a year ago, Zips was much higher on Kyle Manzardo and it's still high on him. A 115 WRC plus or OPS plus for a rookie first baseman. Yeah, I mean, uh, sounds good to me. And Tristan that's, that's third behind him and Josh. So, so it's, uh, it's Ramirez, Bo, Josh Taylor at 122. And then third is Kyle Manzardo at 115, and then Andre Semenez is at 114. To give you an idea, just as a, a thing, uh, Tristan Cassis, he had a uh, OPS plus a year ago of 129. So 115 is like close to that range for what, you know, it's, I mean, it, it, it's a 10% less production, but it's still excellent for this team. Especially, if, yeah, especially for a rookie. And it's that would outpace Josh Bell from last year. If you yeah. compare, if you pair that, projection of Manzardo with Josh Naylor, you're in much better shape than you were with Josh Bell. And, you know, I have to imagine Manzardo is probably not going to have as many ebbs and flows as Bell because he's his swing is more geared towards fly balls, whereas Josh Bell just had all kinds of problems hitting the ball in the air. Um, but remember, the thing is, these are all projectable outcomes. You should definitely go look at these because he even puts on there like 80th percentile outcome and 20th percentile outcome and 90th and like the the 80th for Jose Ramirez is is great 6.5 WAR and Andre six, Quan 4.4 like everything's good Manzardo's 
is 138, but the bottom for Manzardo is 95. That's still, that's still average. Um, But the most common outcomes are for, at least for the offensive side of things, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven hitters on this roster that are projected to be league average offensively um, or better. Now you've got a couple stragglers in there, like your Will Brennan's and your um, Tyler Freeman's, your Brian Rocchio's. Interesting that Brian Rocchio and Juan Juan Brito are both 90 and 91. Like they're, they're about average. So no matter what you look at it, they, they're yeah. producing. And Arias was in the high 80s, the same that's, range. That's an interesting thing to look at. Some of the comps are funny too, at least offensively. We'll get to yeah. pitching. But the offensive ones are are very funny. Like the, he's got uh, near-age comps for everybody. And um, I don't want to spend the whole show talking about them, so you should go look. But the ones for Andres Jimenez are pretty fun. The Josh Naylor ones are, are very interesting. Mike Sweeney, is a, I, I think you and I agreed, is maybe the best comp. For Josh Naylor, yeah. yeah, and then the Kyle Manzardo ones are really are really fun too. So go go take a look at the offensive ones. On the flip side of things, like the the John Kensington well one is hilariously bad in terms of. Um, yeah. I think it's fair, but it's it's not good for yeah. him. And Tristan McKenzie has some nice ones. The best though belongs to Daniel Norris with Vinegar Bend Miser. I don't know who that is. That's just a great it's, name. It's, that's that's Tristan best. McKenzie's best one is Mike Mussina. That's super fun. But even his bad one is is good. I mean, Francisco Cordova had some good run. Right. You know, maybe not the best comp, but Ishmael Valdez is one of those guys, maybe it's just because I'm older, but he's a really solid starter for a lot of years for the Dodgers. Like, that's... I would take an Ishmael Valdez type of career for... I mean, Francisco Cordova ended up with 12 war for his career. That's, you know, these... these You know who's... You know whose pitching comps are really bad for anybody who's out there wanting to I, I want to try to give people a positive outlook going into Christmas. Like Scott Barlow ones are, are pretty good. The class A ones are really good. There's two guys who are young <laughs> with some pretty awful comps. The Daniel Espino comps are and the Logan Allen alarming one. Yeah, the co- the Logan Allen one could be worse. I found it interesting that the Sam Henches and James Karinchek ones were both very I mean, not surprising by the Henches ones, but the, the James Karinchek ones were actually pretty pretty favorable. Like Zip still seems to have a favorable outlook on, on James Karinczak just because of the bat missing ones. I do love the Tanner Burns ones are pretty bad. And for any, again, it's a good litmus test. Like you always say, anybody who says that Tanner Burns is still like a top prospect is clearly not. I mean, everyone who attention. sat there and told us he was going to get the I, I first pick in the role, the first <laughs> pick in the role five draft. Like, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Go, go check out these comps. They're, they're really interesting. But just remember, it's just, yeah. It's a, a range of outcomes run through a simulation, and it just gives you the most likely thing. And and uh, major league teams do look at zip. They yes. do look at steamer. They do look at these things. And every team has their own internal projection system. And um, I don't know if Dan's ever been approached by a team before. I can't remember if we, if we asked him that last year or not. But, I mean, who, who was the guy that used to work at Fangraphs that got hired by the, the Twins? Oh, uh, Chris Mitchell with Cato. Chris Cato, Mitchell is I mean, where I learned – that bad pip is a good thing in the minors. It was through Chris Mitchell's work. Yeah, so guys like this get hired by major league teams all the time. Why? Because their stuff is good. Um, and Zimborski's always been public. So I don't know what the situation is yeah, there. I but, just I don't know. Um, I, part of me wonders if he like likes the way things go. Because when you get hired by a team, you kind of got to just shut up and your Twitter goes silent and you can't talk about stuff. Dan does a lot of things like you know all of his AI work and some of his. 
Like he, yeah, he's he, a lot of fun. He was on CNN for his like work with uh, AI pictures. Like one day, it's like, yeah, I, I think Dan just enjoys life and doesn't want to be <laughs> held down by a team's rules. Um, should we break for our good friends and then come back and talk about pitching? I one of our we had one comment leading up to it from our everyday or uh, Chris, I believe is uh, Digi's name. Uh, and about he was shocked by who was the highest rated Guardians pitcher. All right, we'll get to that in just a second. Well, pretty soon you'll be able to get to some uh, projections and some bets on FanDuel on players for the season, like MVP and maybe some over-unders for games, but we'll get there eventually. For now, uh, weather's getting colder. The NFL offers are still hot on FanDuel. So if you have not yet got on FanDuel, now is a great time to get on there. Uh, still time for you to win some money and spend that money on a loved one at Christmas if with your with your extra winnings. So uh, if you're a new customer, throw down $5, just $5 on a money line bet on any team. And if that team wins, then you get 150 bucks if you're a new customer. So in bonus bets. So uh, there you go. You can cash out with that. 150 bucks if your team wins. You can think about joining FanDuel. Good time to get in on the action. If uh, money lines are not your thing, the NFL is not your thing. Uh, like I said, college bowl season is always a fun time to get in on this. They got spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and get in on the action while the NFL offers are still hot this season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, who's who's the pitcher? That would be uh, one Shane Theodore Bieber. I don't know if that's his his middle name. Um, I just want to put that out there before someone corrects me in the comments. I'm just being silly. It is. <laughs> it is not his middle name, uh, but he is. Yeah, he he's projected to. Because uh, again, this is not taking. Uh, this is a statistical model, so it's not taking in his velocity changes. It's not taking in his his pitch use. Um, it's I all past past data. He's he's past data. So he has some really high past data. And then this is also at a 3.8. McKenzie is at a three for the number two. Um, but Bybee, you're like, Where, where's Bybee? He's at a 2.8. And the reason his stuff is down is there are some people who don't love some of the baked in stuff in his data that see him as like a, a sophomore regression type. We've talked about that. You can go listen to, um, like, I think even the one where Bybee finished second in the rookie of the year, we discussed a little bit there. Uh, even though we're big believers in him, you know, just putting it all out there. Really is not sold on uh, Gavin Williams, though, 1.9. And uh, the comp for Ben Lively is Bob Malacky. So that tells you how much uh, we don't want him as our number five starter this year. But, uh, yeah, it's Bieber has that built-in strength. It's like, uh, you know, George Valera still getting points, even though the system is mostly given up on him because George Valera was once the number six prospect in baseball by Zips. So it still thinks there's something there. It's mostly out on him. If you have that good data in the past, it takes a while for it to kind of get clear. And right now, Bieber did have, you know, 20 and then 21 before the injury was fantastic. And then he had a rebound in 22, but injury and then 23 was just terrible. So uh, it's it's interesting to see. Uh, maybe it'll be a team who's like, hey, Zips likes him. If you just go by projected war um, or even ERA plus, which is essentially like, OPS plus where hundreds league average and anything over hundreds good and below hundreds bad. Um, right now, Beaver is projected at 119 among starters for uh, ERA plus. 
McKenzie at 118, Bybee at 110. But after that, it's Giolito and Allen. And then actually Daniel Espino, slightly better than Gavin Williams at 103 and 102. So also Jaime Barea, 101. That was a surprising one. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got even Lucas Giolito still projected to have a lot of value next season at 2.5 war, which is essentially what a league average, a little above your league average producer, um, even as, as down as his season was last year. And it does take into account, you know, innings pitched and um, lack of lack of health because it only projects Bieber to throw 140 innings this year, which would not be good for Cleveland, obviously, for anybody. It wouldn't be good for Cleveland. It wouldn't be good for anybody that essentially would trade for him. Actually projects that uh, out of all right. pitchers that are actually on Cleveland's roster still, it actually has uh, McKenzie at 155. It has Giolito at 165, but obviously he will not be pitching in Cleveland next year. I, I was told that uh, it's got class A at 72, but if you put Tito back in as the manager, it goes up to 142. Oh, so, sense. you know, it's just, uh, we'll, we'll see. I have a feeling he is going to have a career low in innings this year as they're going to look to not will that ride be a good him. or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. So you don't ride him till his arm falls off. Um, you know, I, th- Which- I think. We discovered his and one of his uh, near age player comps was Kelvin Herrera, who was a great reliever for the Royals, who literally his arm was chewed out at age 30. Like, yeah, same. Cody yeah. Allen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a good point. If he has the career, that's good for his longevity. I don't know if it's good for the Guardians in 2024 if he pitches less, but it's good for his. I think uh, Joey Cantillo and, and Will Dion will each throw over 100 innings. That's kind of. And Zach Plesak at 110. Um, I don't know who it's going to be for, but it won't be the Guardians. <laughs> yeah, it's, and that's, it doesn't say that they think that you're going to throw it just through the course of simulations, data that gets that's accumulated. Average outcome. You know, you know this yeah. is an average outcome. So there's some where Cantillo throws more than that. There's some where he throws less than that. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. It's always a fascinating system. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I mentioned at the start, Cleveland outside of Atlanta, and I can't think. Well, I guess I should probably just look at the top of the article. I'm sure he stated has, is projected to have the third best bullpen. Um, Behind the Braves that. and the Raves, and that you know, Raves, running the down Raves. the top nine nines on running down the top nine names on our depth chart for Cleveland's pen, the worst projected ERA of the bunch, the worst ERA is Cody Morris at 419. Even that's misleading as it includes starts that project for a higher ERA. So he's done 16 teams, third best pen. And I also have to point out, I think this is this is my quote of the offseason for everyone who gets yeah. mad at us about talking about BAPIP. And why it means that like people need to take deep breaths when it comes to people like Benson and Nolan Jones. It's like last year, Stephen Kwan's projected for a 103 OPS caused a good bit of consternation. So last year he's projected for a 103 and he ended up at a hundred. Serving as a reminder. How many people were mad about that, by the yes. way? And that's what he's saying. But he finished at a hundred instead of 103. Serving as a reminder that bat pip regression is second only to the eternal meat grinder known as time in its deadliness. So Again, when people are saying, oh, you know, Will, Will Benson, no, he's going to do it. Nolan Jones is going to put it again. Stephen Kwan was not at the level of those guys were. So it's that bat hip is things we're going to keep talking about because it's just shows us who's going to fail. It shows us who has a built in massive regression coming. And that's important to talk about. And you know what? It projects Stephen Kwan for 103 again this year, saying that, hey, this year was closer to who he is, that but that doesn't mean you can't get bad pip luck again. Like sometimes that happens again and it can it be does. an every Andre other Simmons. year thing. 
Yeah. And, and, and it does like Andres Jimenez quite a bit. And yes. he was a guy who had bad progression last year. Yes. And it's predicting a little more of an offensive bounce back, believing that he was closer to 2022 than he was 2023. And what have we been saying all along is that I don't think neither of us think that Jimenez is as good as he was in 2022, but neither of us believes that he was as bad as he was offensively yes. in 2023. And that's kind of what Zips is telling you right here too. Um, so yeah, go check that out. I'll be really interesting. And, and I know the off season has been frustrating. There's been a lot of stupid rumors out there that aren't true or you just Can need just... to no, hang on. Let, let me, we'll you get go, there. No, go. <laughs> um, for all, for all the weird discourse out there, like this is still a team that has enough pieces in place. And I know the goal is not to win the division. It shouldn't be to win the division. Not when you've been waiting, you know, 75 years to win a world series and you have a prime player locked up to a ridiculously team friendly deal. So that's not your goal, but this team still has enough pieces in place to be pretty competitive next year. And I think that's what Zips tells us that maybe you still need some health regression in, in terms of, of going in the, in the good direction as opposed to last year. But when you look at Ramirez and Jimenez and Quan and the Nailers, and I think Loriano is going to be okay. Average wise Manzardo Manzardo should be up in April. God only knows it's going to happen. Like you've got enough pieces there, I think, that are interesting where you can compete in the division. Zips likes the bullpen. I like the bullpen. Bullpens are volatile though. And then, you know, you've got your big three, and who knows what will happen with Beaver and McKenzie. But this is still a team that, you know, like Zip says, they are still built pretty good. They just need some luck, some health regression in the positive direction, and they definitely need some help, but it's it's still not a poor team. It's not a lump of coal. No. <laughs> um, real quickly. Uh, guys, stop getting upset about John Morosi tweets and statements. Uh, he's a fantastic sideline reporter. He's bilingual. That's amazing. But he is just throwing darts at a dartboard. I mean, he has traded Jose Ramirez four times, even though the guy has a no trade. We don't know what's going to happen with Josh Naylor. And again, Mike Sweeney is a fantastic comp because of just go look at the numbers that, you know, both have, you know, kind of similar builds and they're listen, I, I don't think they should trade Naylor because it's the biggest need on this team is offense. But one also has to recognize that he has a if he's not, he's probably traded next offseason and then an extension isn't coming. So they're going to chatter. The chatter is going to be there. This team, though, is not in a situation in a year. If Kyle Manzardo proves himself, then it makes sense. Right now, it does not make sense for a team with the window they have. Uh, and yeah, uh, I'll say it again. No matter how many times Toronto fans want to bring it up or Cubs fans want to bring it up or uh, Seattle fans want to bring it up. Jose isn't being traded. Josh Naylor very likely isn't as well. And John Morosi is unfortunately nowadays rumor city. So deep breath. If it's not Jeff Passan, move on. My only comment is do whatever you want on Twitter. It's a, it's a hellscape right now. Who cares? But, um, you know, if you get worked up over stuff that ends up being very. Shane Bieber was traded and a half ago, right? According to Twitter. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want, if you get worked up over that stuff and doesn't happen, you know, that's, that's, you know, choose how you want to live your life, but, uh, working up, getting worked up over stuff that, you know, you can avoid, maybe, maybe that's good, but everyone's entitled to do their, their own thing. We're going to do our own thing here and then we're going to come back and we are going to talk about some draft stuff and get to that prospect game and a little bit on the rule changes before we get out of here. Let's let's call a quick pinch hitter so we know we can get this out of the way because let's I want to spend a lot rest of the of the uh, the show on the draft so let's let's do a quick uh, reshuffle 
uh, I'd say call an audible. This is a baseball podcast, but let's talk about the prospect game and the rule adjustments, and then let's finish up with the draft so we can just. I said we just keep the prospect game to next week. We can worry about that then. It's not as big of a story. We don't have as much time. Uh, It's it's a story that'll sit. Nothing's going to change that. So rule changes. I'm just going to actually throw the ball to you and let you handle this one, and then I'll come back for draft. Uh, more rule changes. I look, I'm not one of those curmudgeons who thinks that like baseball should never change. I don't think I'm not, I'm not, I am, I have some old school thoughts on baseball, but I also, I do like, you know, new stuff. I'm I actually a fan of pitch clock. I like it. And I think it was a good thing. And it worked in the minors, especially when you're working on late nights and, and deadlines like you do as a reporter. But, um, I don't really love already tinkering with this. Like, so next year, you're still going to have the 15 second pitch clock with no runners on, but with runners on, we're going to go down from 20 to 18. Don't love that. Um, you're going to have more pitcher injuries. Ooh. Velocity is going to go down. I know, Ooh. I know that's trying to combat strikeouts, but it's an inorganic way to combat strikeouts and it's going to get more pitchers hurt. They don't have enough data. Like I think they need to wait a couple of years. I know they were saying at the end of the year that um, time of game was creeping up at the end. And that, it was by seven minutes. And I'm like, I don't think the tie of the game was the problem. I think it was the pace of the game. I'd like to see what the average pace of the game was. But uh, I don't really like shortening the pitch clock. I think it's going to hurt pitchers injury-wise. And wait till Hopefully. you get a couple of years of data to see how, about health. Um, Mountain visits Roos from five to four. I don't know why that's necessary. Five was fine. I don't I don't see what was happening uh, to combat it, whatever. Um, the other two, not a big deal. The, the first base lane is going to be widened, so pit, runners to first base have a bit of a wider lane to get to the base now without getting hurt. That's fine. That slide makes a lot in of a sense. wider range for Jimenez. That, well, if he's going to do it, I guess this helps. And then uh, anybody who comes in out of the bullpen. So if a pitcher comes in out of the bullpen and he warms up, has to face at least one batter. This is this is uh, so if you bring a guy out to end an inning and you bring him back on the mound next inning and you want to like, you know, bring, bring a right hander out. And then you want to see if the opposing team will pinch hit and you're like, Oh, actually I'm going to bring my lefty in. You can't do that anymore. So you have to, if a guy comes out of the dugout and starts warming up as a pitcher, he's got to stay in for at least one batter. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's fine. It actually, um, it takes some gamesmanship out of it, but it's, it's a little less annoying. I don't yep. know. That's all I got. Okay. So Not should it. we start with, uh, do you want to start with best speed since I did a bunch of research on this one and then best hit, best power, where we start. We're going to only do offensive tools today. Best offensive tools so far. I mean, I think, you know, I think, you know, where my best tools are. Um, Nick Kurtz does not have best speed. I hate to break it to you. And best speed does not mean how fast they make your heartbeat. Uh, It's not how many beats per minute. I, I mean, I don't want to talk about Nick. I, I got a, I have a fan that always blows on me during the show. I don't know if they can hear it, but I have to turn that speed up high when uh, we talk about Nick Kurtz because I'm usually over here sweating. Best see bottom line right there. It says in our, our show. If you're watching on YouTube, it says best tools, Nick Kurtz, all of them. So uh, that's the show, everybody. We, we talked about the best tools in the draft. It's Nick Kurtz and uh, Merry Christmas. If the Guardians don't draft, Merry Kurtzmas. Merry Kurt. Oh, look at that. Merry Kurtzmas. I'm tweeting that tomorrow. That's going out with the show. It's, so if you're listening, it's right yours. Now, Take it. It's yours. <laughs> that's going out. That's going to be Kurtzman. in the little image. I already see it. That's, that's <laughs> going to be the headline on in July next year in the Guardian Stadium. Um, yeah, go through speed because I think I think okay. I think uh, so. I think it's hard to go through. I'm just going to throw it. I don't know. Uh, Travis Bazana. 
Okay, so he's done pretty well with steals. He's probably the best of the the big name guys. So I know people talk about Connor Griffin for pure speed. I want to point this out. He had a 6.36 speed, which is fast. But there's two guys who are much faster. Uh, One is Austin Overin, who is at USC. Uh, Great glove as well. 6.19 in high school. 6.19. The only person who I found who beat him is a Michigan outfielder named uh, Dante Nori, who is a 6.15. Those are the guys. Ooh, Michigan. <laughs> so Nori is at a six one five, which is the fastest I've seen. That's just blazing. Um, you know, he's a Mississippi State connect from Northville, Michigan. Nori is a USC senior. Uh, he might also have the best glove in this class. Like he is a he's a guy. Someone's going to take a round two because you know there's no way he's at least not a twenty six man. Like he might be Miles Straw, but there's value in round two in getting a guy as a backup mile straw type uh, with the chance for more. Again, there's always the chance for more, but I think those are the two guys you'll hear other names, but Nori and Overin are clearly for me, just based on numbers like Slade Chaconi is another popular name, six, five, 60. Um, I'm, like I'm taking the other two. Yeah. I said the wrong one there. Yeah. Caldwell. Yeah. That guy's but already been drafted. <laughs> oh, Slade Chaconi, the what Miami yeah. guy. I'm... Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Do... So you got, what what tool do you want to go with next? Um, should we talk? Offense. Should we go hit and then leave power for last of kind of those ones since everyone likes power? I know we don't have time. Hit tool is probably Weatherholt. I think most people agree at that. Like it's clean, it's easy. I, I can't see much debate uh, on Weatherholt personally. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys. I think there's yeah, I think that's probably the most likely one contact wise. I mean, I don't see why Travis Bazana can't be in the discussion yeah. and. There are some Kurtz things I well. saw. Yeah, I actually saw a great tweet from Joe Doyle too about uh, some of Nick Kurtz's. I wish I would have grabbed it to put it on the screen. Um, 95.3% contact rate on fastballs, 91 on the inner third. So this is a guy who I think he can get to every pitch um, around the plate. So I think that, you know, that puts Nick Kurtz in discussion at the very least. And then I know you had an interesting one for power. And I think we, I, I agree with you on the power one. Okay, so I've got like three big names for power quickly. Kurtz, of course, is up there. Slate Chaconi, though, I think has better raw power. I don't think he can tap into it. Slate Chaconi, you keep talking about. Oh, my goodness. I'm so tired. (laughs) I apologize. Why am I doing this? Jack Caglione, at least maybe this was because it sounds similar. Um, Man, (laughs) Jack Jack Caglione has better raw power. It's it's a 70-grade raw power to me. I, I don't think he's anywhere near as good of a hitter. But he has it. And then I think you have to talk about Aiden Harris is not getting anywhere near enough love. Uh, he's uh, There was a time where Cleveland loved to get guys before they got to Virginia. After they went, he's a Virginia commit. He's from Virginia. He is one of the youngest guys in this class. He's 6'4", 220. He's got exit velocities already over 110. Uh, he is 99.53 percentile at perfect game events for exit velocities. I mean, he just he murders baseball. I think he's the best raw power of the high school class. Um, over anyone you've heard, he's not probably not a, you know, a day one guy, maybe a late, maybe a second round, but Aiden Harris for high school and, uh, Caglione and Kurtz college. Where do you really quickly before we get out of here, where do you put Tommy white power wise? Cause I know we're going to get a lot of questions about him and I, we, and I both are out on Tommy white, but we're going to, yeah. I mean, I think he's a 60. I think he's a solid 60. I just think that these other guys have, you know, 70 raw and white probably has 70 raw as well. I just, you know, he's just, he's close. Like, he's probably it's, in that it's discussion. An approach thing. Yeah, it's, it's, just, thing. it's more approach than power, but the power is there. 
we'll talk more draft coming up uh, in the start of the year. Yeah, well, almost we, is, almost January. Uh, we want to thank all of you for joining us, rating and reviewing, downloading. It helps. Remember, write an iTunes review. It's been a while. We would a shout out on the show for that. Uh, thank you for joining us, and I hope you will all, you know, enjoy your time off. And if you celebrate, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, one and all. Go go Guardians.